Hi, my name is Beth, and I am the host of the Seeking Light podcast. In a world that presents us with growth and challenges, there is tremendous light. And this podcast is a source of light through scriptural insights that I have gained through the years. Come join me as I share light in a world that can sometimes be confusing. Okay, everybody, I want to welcome you to Friday's podcast. This is very exciting. Now, I say that every time, but I'm excited because you're going to hear um, my friend Gary Schwartz. So Matt and I have known Gary since 2007, and um, I buy eggs from Gary. I've been buying eggs from Gary for a very long time, but it's much more than an egg relationship. He's my egg farmer, but... Gary and Matt and I, we can spend hours talking to Gary. He has the best stories and, um, I love talking to him and I feel like you would love to hear some of his stories recently while I was getting some eggs, we started talking about Gary, um, his childhood and recently in the last couple of years, reuniting with his biological family. So I said, Gary, you've got to come on my podcast and you've got to tell your story um, about adoption, um, finding your family, just the things that it's done for you as you are moving through life, as you're seeking light. And so you guys are going to hear Gary's story. So Gary, welcome to the podcast. Hi, (laughs) I'm happy to be here. Good. I'm glad you're here, Gary. You're so awesome. Okay. So let's start out with, let's start with a little bit of the beginning, um, about your parents, about your adoption, just what, you know, and then your memories as a child kind of growing up in your family and where you are in regards to the birth order, or we could say as a chicken pecking order. (laughs) Okay. Well, I was like, you say I was adopted. I was adopted to fairly old parents. Uh, it was an arranged adoption and, uh, Many people were involved uh, to locate me with my my uh, adoptive parents, and uh, they were in their mid forties when they adopted me as a newborn. Wow! And so that was kind of unusual, but uh, there were reasons why they couldn't have kids, and they got married. It was both their second marriages, and and so that's how that kind of started out. And uh, I was raised without siblings. I only, I was the only child. They, I mean, they didn't want a, a bunch of them. They just wanted one. And so uh, I had really good parents. They were, my mother especially was just uh, a great mother. Uh, and she just did everything. And my dad was a, a good man. He had some alcoholic issues that were um, a problem from time to time, but um nonetheless put me at the top of the order uh as time permitted so anyway uh that's kind of how it went my my adoption was back well I was born in 1955 and so back then they were fairly secretive or could be uh like closed closed adoptions right yes Mm -hmm. very much so uh I had an unusual deal. My my biological mother was pregnant with me, and she uh, somehow we don't know yet how this all transpired, but she got in touch with my parents through somebody. We think it might be my aunt. We think it might be a couple lived up in Odell, Oregon, that they were kind of mutual friends with. Because my my biological family is all from the Hood River, the Dalles, Goldendale area. And so um, that was the one connection we could find is this one couple that was up there that were good friends with my mom and dad and were living in Odell, right in the real close proximity of where my biological mother was. So anyway, um, I was uh, set up to be uh, born at the Wheeler Hospital on the coast uh, my biological mother stayed with my aunt Esther for the last few weeks of her pregnancy uh, in a town called Rockaway. And, and she had, I had two older siblings at the time. I had a sister, Valerie, who was a year older than me, and a brother, Chris, who was about two and a half years older than me. Now, so, you, you didn't know until 
like the last couple of years about Valerie and your brother, Chris, right? No, I actually did. I had oh, okay. my, my mom, I, it was kind of hard deal with my mom. Um, she did not really want to reveal a whole lot. Uh, in fact, the, when I found out I was adopted, we were having a, a neighborhood baseball game, big Sandlot baseball game, all the kids around were out there playing. And everybody in the neighborhood apparently knew that I was adopted except me. And so one kid was saying, well, you're adopted, you're different, you're a weirdo. And I didn't know what he was talking about. So I went to my mom and I said, what's this adoption thing? I was about 10 years old. And uh, so she sat down and uh, was pretty nervous about the conversation, but she told me, she said, well, you were adopted and we picked you out. And he said, you go tell that kid out there that, uh, he was an accidentally born into your, his family. We picked you out. <laughs> and so she was that way. She always tried to make me feel good and, and make everybody feel good, actually. And so anyway, so that was kind of the icebreaker. And then we talked a little bit, but the keeper of the information was my Aunt Esther at the coast. And she, um, my mom, when I talk to my mom about it, when I get older and stuff, uh, after my dad, my dad passed when I was 12 years old. And so it was basically my mom and I through adolescence. And I, I, I mentioned things to her about the adoption and she would just get visibly shaken by it. Uh, it very uncomfortable for her to talk about. I, I really think that she <clears throat> kind of felt like that uh, if I found out who my real parents were, I would think less of her you know I, I don't know what the deal was there I, I never really got into it with her but she didn't real reveal a whole lot and I didn't really pursue it because I didn't see, like to see her upset so we just let it go and then my aunt Esther passed away so that information went away but we I was going through a, a photo album one day and there was a picture in there with a bunch of my relatives from Idaho and I asked my mom I said who is this and she goes once again, she got kind of shaken a little bit. She says, this is your biological mother and your older brother, Chris, and your sister, Valerie. And you are in your mom right now. You're pregnant. I was, you know, being carried and right from my birth. So anyway, uh, I thought, wow. So that we had that one picture that tied all this together. And so, and I guess in 1980, the adoption records were opened in Oregon. And so my wife and I decided we'd kind of check it out a little bit and, and delve into it. And so uh, we didn't find a whole lot. We did find out family names. Um, but, and we did find, we had, actually did find a birth certificate and a, a record of transferal from my biological parents to my adoptive parents that the lawyer letter was all typewritten on rice paper <laughs> real old letter you know and and we still have that but uh so we we knew a little bit we knew what my mom's name was it was barbara jean walton uh my dad's name was john phelps and uh they were from the dallas area hood river area and that's kind of all we knew and I had a, a policeman friend of mine run the records of my mom and dad. And he came back and said, well, he said, your mom passed away a few years ago at age 55. And uh, my dad, we found out, had a string of problems with drinking and, the, and driving. And so I thought, well, you know, do I really want to? open up that can of worms and so we just kind of didn't and and so one day Jerry and I were coming back from I think it was Idaho or Utah one of the two and she said you want to try and find your dad today we're coming down 84 by the Dallas and I said well let's let's stop and see what we do so we stopped the Chevron station that's when they still had phone booths and phone books and we looked up the John Phelps and the name uh the phone book and lo and behold, it was in there. And so I asked the attendant there, I said, where's this road at? And he said, well, it's up there on the cliffs, up there, up on the bluff, you go up the road here, take a left, blah, 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 and then you're there. So we went up there and had the 
the address was in the phone book. So I, we pulled up just a little ways down the street from my house or my dad's house. And, uh, we sat there and Jerry goes, what do you think? And I said, I'm not feeling it. And she goes, really? And I go, no, I'm not feeling it at all. And so we sat there for a little bit and we drove away. And so, um, years passed and we really hadn't pursued it a whole lot. Um, I thought my mother was, had passed away. Well, in fact, she had not, she had, uh, at the time it looked like she passed away because there wasn't a super huge, uh, background check down here was just kind of a surface deal uh she had got remarried and was overseas her husband was a helicopter pilot in the army and uh he'd served in vietnam and she he was career military and he'd been all over the, the world i mean they were they traveled they were a military family and uh anyway so what happened was instead of her passing away her local records just ceased to be because she was overseas. And so I know it's kind of a weird deal, but that's, that's the only thing we come up with because of the timing and the order of things. So anyway, uh, she was still alive up till the time, well, a year and a half before I went after this again and actually made contact with some of my siblings and uh, aunts and uncles. And my dad had passed away a year. She it was a year and a half. He was about a year. They passed away before I did this. And I, I did this in uh, March of, of 2020, just when COVID was hitting. It was on a Sunday afternoon and I was bored out of my mind. Church had shut down, um, really not much going on. We we're doing the lockdown thing. And, and so I walked by and Jerry, my wife had, <laughs> strategically put pictures of my mom and my brother and sister in places around the house that I would frequent. And so I would see these pictures. And so that one day I saw this picture in her cupboard, I opened up and get a glass and I thought, you know, and I, and I'd also found out uh, a good friend of mine uh, had found out a lot of my family history uh, she's very good at it. I don't know if I should mention her name or not. I think you know her real well, but, um, anyway, uh, she'd been kind of on me about finding stuff out and that she'd gone back just with my lineage that I was clear back to the times of Lewis and Clark. And that actually, I think it was my sixth great grandfather was chief Com Conley of the class of Indians. And that came to be because of this John Phelps back then had jumped ship off a sailing ship, had kind of gone AWOL, and he had married Chief Com Conley's oldest daughter. And that was to keep him from having to go back to sea. And so um, that's where the Indian lineage kind of surfaced for a while. And then throughout the next generations kind of went away. But uh, Anyway, so she, I was kind of excited by that. And I was excited by all this information she had and had been eating on me a little bit. And I thought, you know, and then we also found two or three people on Facebook, uh, siblings and aunts and uncles. I looked up once I got names and they had accounts on Facebook and I, I looked at what I could. And I thought, you know, and I had this one uncle, Mike, and he and I could be twins. And, uh, so any, we had very similar interests from what the pictures I could see. So I couldn't contact him. It looked like his account was idle, but I contacted his wife and I contacted two of my half sisters because I did get a picture on one of their threads of my brother and my sister and my two half sisters, uh, and it looked like maybe one of their recent get-togethers that they hadn't done for a while and so uh i put a little message out to him i said hi my name is gary schwartz i uh, am i have every reason to believe and i have some proof 
And we also, oh, excuse me, and we'd also done a DNA test as well. And that ran big time into this. And so, oh, and there's one other thing too. There's, there's all sorts of layers to this onion. Um, I had a lady try to friend me on Facebook during this, kind of before it. And her name was J.L. Robotiel, and she lived in Borneo. Very attractive young lady. And I thought, yeah, all the young, attractive ladies in Borneo want to be my friend. So I deleted it. And uh, so about a week later, it, I got a friend request again from the same lady, same picture. Nothing had changed. And I thought, you know, what, usually they change their pictures. It'll be some little change, you know. And so I just kind of, kind of deleted it again. And so about a week later, my daughter, Corey, called me and she said, hey, dad, do you know someone named J.L. Robotiel? And I go, um, I don't yet, but I'm getting real close to I've had two friend requests from her. And she goes, well, she says that you're related to her and she your DNA match, which we did the Ancestry.com DNA match. Um, and I was on file there. She said that you are a direct match with her and one of her cousins. And she was deep into genealogy too and family history. And so she said, would you please friend her so she doesn't call me anymore? And I go, sure, I will. So I friended her immediately. She uh, contacted me back and said, hey, how do you know... Uh, her name was Anita Conway or something like that. I can't remember now even. She's like a fifth cousin. And I, I go, I don't know her. And she goes, well, you were a direct match with her and me. And we can't figure out why. Because do you know anything about the Van Scoy line? And I go, well, I do. I said, a friend of mine found out that that's my grandmother uh, Walton's family line. And she goes, yes it is she says why are you in this tree you have no reason to be matched up genetically with us and i go well and she goes you're adopted and i go yeah i am and she goes well that makes sense because uh we couldn't figure out why we get such a strong match on the dna and you you're a mystery person and i go well that's something i'd like to find out too so anyway we and gary how yeah you were 66 at this time six oh. uh, yeah i was 64 64 okay yeah and so um we she said well you need to contact your other siblings she gave me a bunch of names and stuff like that and i said well i've got some of these already and she goes you need to contact them and i said you know I'll decide when I want to contact somebody. I said, um, I, I, you know, kind of gone this far. I said, it's it, maybe that explains why no one's reached out to try to find me, huh? And she goes, well, it could be. And she goes, there's all sorts of stories and reasons. And so that might be uh, one of the, you know, it could be an answer to, you know, maybe you'll find out. And I go, well, I'll tell you what, I appreciate your, your cheerleading here and all that, but um, I'll give it some thought. And so this was before I, I sat down with the Facebook thing. And so one day, like I say, it was eating at me. And I, I said, you know what, I'm going to reach out. So I, I made these messages. And I said, hi, I'm Gary Schwartz. I have every reason to believe that you're my sister. And I, um, have DNA match with this family and I'm definitely the Walton Van Scoy line. And so, I'm just, this is just to let, to let you know that I'm here. I said, I don't want to hurt. I don't want this to be a hurtful thing for anybody. Uh, that would be my biggest fear that I would raise some kind of, you know, dig up some bones or something, you know, that would be a bad thing. But uh, I would just let you know. And I said, if you want to contact me, uh, that would be fine. If you don't, I understand and uh, have a good day. So about three hours later, uh, my youngest half-sister, Tiffany, texts me back on Facebook. And she says, hi, I'm Tiffany. And I go, hi, Tiffany. 
And she goes, who are you and what do you want? And I go, good start, because that's probably what I would be saying to you. And she goes, well, what's up? And I go, well, uh, I'm the son of John Phelps and Barbara Walton. And she goes, uh, okay. And I, I noticed when I was talking with her, we're texting back and forth on Facebook messaging. I could see that she was messaging somebody else. And so in this three hours that transpired, she got together with four of my sisters and no, three of my sisters, my brother, my aunt Jen, and my stepdad. And uh, so they're all sitting there wanting to know what's going on. They, you know, because here's this guy. Hello, I'm here. Look at me. Uh, I'm Gary, your long lost brother. And after 64 years. And so she and I hit it off really well. She's a real spitfire. Uh, she was to the point and she goes, well, what do you got? You got any proof? And I go, yeah. So I sent that one picture I had and you can see her texting. There's all sorts of texting going on. And then she goes, what else have you got? And I, so I sent her the birth certificate and it had, you know, the names on it and stuff. And she goes, okay, what else have you got? And I go, well, I, I've got a, a legal letter of transferal from me to my, from my biological parents to my adoptive parents. And she said, send it. And so I sent it and, uh, we're on, we've been texting back and forth for about an hour by then. And, uh, I'm not a real huge texter kind of guy. So anyway, um, I said, so, you know, I, I go, what's going on? I say, who are you talking to? And she says, well, I've got six people here that you're related to. She says, I'm, I'm sold. I think you're my brother. And I go, okay. Um, is that okay? Or is it, uh, you know, how's things being received? And she goes, well, your brother says it's not true. There's no way. And your aunt Jen says it's no, not, no, there's no way you could be a brother. And I go, okay, that's fine. They, they, I would understand that. I said, this is how it's going to work now. We've, we've kind of got a bridge built. I'm tired of texting. I said, my fingers are bleeding. I've never texted so much in my life. Uh, I'm going to end this conversation and I'm going to give you my phone number and you can give it to all the people there and they can, if they feel like they want to contact me, that would be fine because the ball's in your court now. I said, I've, I've done the first deal. I said, you guys can process this. And those who want to believe it can. Those who don't want to believe it, I understand. Uh, I just hope there's no hurt feelings here. And we'll go from here. So she said, she started laughing. She says, you sound like you could be a Phelps. And I go, uh, well, we don't know that yet, but we know I'm a Walt. And so she goes, okay, great. And so we said goodbye. And about a minute later, the phone rings. And it was Tiffany, my sister. And we sat there and talked for like a half hour. Now she's point. your she's your half sister, right? She's a half sister, yeah. My dad's okay. second marriage. Okay. And, and she's fairly young too. She was like, oh shoot, she's 15, 20 years younger than me. So Anyway, um, and she oh, and also her her sister, her full sister Stacy, uh, had real problems with this too. And the reason that a couple of them had problems with it is because my <laughs> my my let's see one two well be my second oldest sister. She'd be two years younger than me, is adopted as well, and so that had surfaced in uh 1995 and she came out she was adopted out through catholic adoption services and then one day she decided to pursue it she found out all this stuff she surfaced and everybody was on board and my mom uh you know told it was another deal where my mom had had her apparently from a failed relationship due to some future in-laws that weren't real approving of her and so did that marriage dissolved it was like take her or take us and she took the guy took her parents and 
whatever. So she adopted my sister Kathy out. And like I said, she came back in 1995. And so they'd gone through this shock once already of, hello, I'm here. And so at that time, Stacy and Tiffany went to their dad, that's my half sister, to my dad, uh, said, are there any more surprises, dad? And he goes, hey, I didn't know nothing about that. He said, we're, oh, my mom and dad divorced at the time of my birth. I forgot to mention that. So we don't, there's another deal. We don't know what was going on with that. And so um, anyway, she said, we went through this once. And so, but my, my, they talked to my mom and they said, no, there are no more, there are no more secrets. There are no more anything. Nobody knows anything about it. Uh, and so then when I show up, they've got that reaffirmation that Kathy was the only adopted out child. And so you're you a surprise. It, yeah. So I was a huge surprise. And um, so they, one of the factors was that they went chronologically by our, our ages. And so my brother was 68. My sister was 66. I was 64. Kathy was 62 and my other sister Patty was 59 so it filled I filled a gap in there a two-year gap right dead center and so um, that helped a little bit along with the deal I said well you could have been but my the problem with, with, that we had with the disbelief was that that my parents had said there are no more surprises and also that my aunt Jen who was best friends with my mom uh said there's no way i wouldn't have known that your mother was pregnant with that child or with gary i would have known and so she got she she said no rep about this is a this is what we don't what's going on here and so then my brother all, all my <laughs> my sisters got after my brother and said that picture is you, Chris. There's no way that's anybody but you. And that was the picture of him at two years old with my mom. And because it does look just like him. And so he goes, well, yeah, I guess it could be. And so he was, he was one over and he says, thank goodness. I finally have a brother. Cause when this all surfaced, uh, I had one brother and a full sister and five half sisters. So that was quite a jump from being a single kid, single child to having a seven, seven, seven. Yeah. Seven siblings. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, back to this deal. So eventually my aunt Jen, everybody was talking to my aunt Jen cause she's kind of the historian of the family, which made things even more hard to sell. And she got thinking about it. She says, you know, Barbara was gone for like three and a half months during that time. She was at the coast and, and living in Eugene or somewhere like that. And so that was apparently when she started to show and she disappeared. And even though my dad was, or John Phelps was my dad, uh, he had no, no involvement at all with it other than signing the adoption papers. And I'm not so sure that those weren't maybe, maybe forged. forged. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> make it happen. Okay. You can write like dad, do it. So anyway, uh, yeah. So that I, I went over aunt Jen. I went over my brother, Chris. How did Jen come around? She actually got thinking about thinking about it. And she remembered this three month gap in there where my mom had moved away and so she said well possibly that could have been then and the fact that I look I've got my dad's nose I've got the Walton family looks huge and uh it just it all just started all the little puzzle pieces started hooking together so uh she, I, she called me up one day and she says hey uh, Gary, are you Gary? And I said, yeah. She's, well, I'm your aunt Jen. And she's, I got some questions for you. And she said, I think 
you might be my nephew after all. And I go, well, good. I said, I didn't want to cause any problems. And she said, no, it just it was a shocker because your mother had said there were no more surprises. And then all of a sudden, here we are, the biggest surprise of all. And, and she goes, why'd you wait so long? And I go, well, I just kind of that way. I said, I figured if someone was wanting to, wanting to see me, they'd reach out after all these years. Obviously, nobody knew about me, so they never did. And I said, um, uh, I just, you know, I looked at some of the family history deal. And she said, well, why did you choose now to do it? And I go, well, <clears throat> I think it was because I've got a family of my own and I've got grandchildren of my own. And I thought maybe, and I had some health issues uh, in, oh, 2018. And I, I thought, you know, maybe I better check out, find out what I can find out what's genetic what's hereditary uh as far as health issues for my kids and my grandkids and she goes well that kind of makes sense i said i know i should have probably done this sooner uh, but anyway so i, I kind of jumped the ship there where i was talking to my sister tiffany but we we were kind of kindred spirits too we we were we've got both the same <laughs> sense of humor and uh kind of practical joker kind of people and and some very <laughs> similar pranks that you know, that well I, I i hope this is appropriate i i on her wall of her facebook uh you know you have things on there and it showed her one of her pictures was all these white christmas deer and they're all kind of positioned in provocative positions not your normal hurting for christmas and so uh that's something i used to do with several of my friends at christmas time around here is i'd go re arrange re, their reindeer re, yeah, re, rearrange their, their deer and uh i've got witness to that so that's verifiable but anyway um yeah so when i saw that i thought what are the odds of that being on the front of her facebook deal and so I told her that she just blew up laughing. She says, no way. And I go, yeah. And she says, well, this. And so like I said, we had very similar personalities. And then, so I got done talking with her and then the phone rang. I said, yeah, they were all talking, you know, and <clears throat> my sister, Valerie, my full sister called up and she goes, Gary. And I go, yeah. And she goes, you really are my brother. And I go, yes, I am. And she goes, I always knew something was missing. This is where you go to commercial break. So, um, that was a pretty special phone call. Okay, let's try this again. So um, we talked for a while and, and so they all wanted to get together and they were always all were saying, why did you wait so long? Why did you wait so long? And I go, well, you know what? I could ask you that question, but I know what your answer is now and it's legit. Mine isn't. Um, I just never really, uh, I, I was raised by good parents. I didn't really need uh, need for anything. I did have curiosity and stuff, but I said, I just, it just was prompted to do it that one day and I did. So um, they said, we're glad you did. She said, mom's birthday's coming up. We would like to meet you. And then, like I said, this is right when COVID came up. So everybody's freaking out. You can't go anywhere. You can't talk to anybody. Everybody's wearing full coveralls and helmets and stuff at the beginning. And <laughs> so I go, uh, yeah, that'd be great. So we met at my mom's um, grave um, April 10th of that year. And it was my half-sister, Patty, uh, and my sister, Valerie. And so we met, it was just like we'd known each other forever. And uh, very easy, very, 
uh, one of my biggest fears was, or I'm my fears, but my apprehension was that there'd be, uh, you know, there's such a spectrum with these adoption stories. You know, you get the, the full rejection ones, you get the uh, accusation ones, you get all the whole gamut can happen. And like a friend of mine, I know she was totally rejected by her, her family. And so uh, I go, you know, I said, this has been pretty crazy. You people have been nothing but very receptive to me showing up. I said, I, I would never have guessed I would have got this warm of reception from someone who just shows up and says, Hey, I'm your brother. And they just, they said, well, you, you are, I mean, you, you are. And the, the few doubts we had were easy to resolve. And he said, we're glad you're here. And so I go, well, it's good, good to be wanted. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a cool thing. So anyway, we, we had, I don't know, just uh, right. Well, one thing happened immediately. I got about 15 uh, Facebook requests from family members. What this went out like wildfire and they say he's on Facebook. So I got all these to f- people trying to find out who I was and what I was and what I looked like and what I say and what I do. And that was kind of interesting I, with my uncle, Mike, um, uh, he was one I, he, he could be my twin. He, my mom was second born out of 10 siblings. She was quite older. Uh, and my uncle Mike and my, uh, his, oh, what's her name? Margaret, Aunt Margaret are twins. And they were the 10th, ninth and 10th of the family. And they're only uh, three years older than me. He's right now, he's 70, I'm 67. So there's a pretty close relationship there. And like I said, when I saw his Facebook deal, uh, when he friended me, he had all these deer hunting pictures and all these Jeep pictures and things that I am, that are me. And he looked like me, same mustache, same build, um, you know, just amazing. And I showed Jerry and she goes, he can be your brother. And I go, yeah, I said, that's crazy. And kind of a Western guy, you know, cowboy guy. And so uh, big into horses, big into hunting and all the things I do. <laughs> and so anyway, I, uh, I was, he, he called me up and so we're talking and I said, well, uncle Mike, I said, uh, I said, I see these deer hunting pictures on your wall here, you know, with a couple of nice bucks. I said, uh, where do you hunt at? And he says, well, we hunt over at Hepner. And I go, well, really i said where in hefner he says well road 21 up there towards potamus and i said well that's really bizarre i said i've been hunting 40 years up at hefner on road 23 and 24 which is only a few miles as a crow flies away so this whole time uh, i was that close and probably maybe passed them on the road or from here to there um, while i was up hunting and so when he found that out, he was just like going crazy. He said, like, wow, that is, wow, no way. And I go, yeah. He says, well, you know where Bull Prairie Reservoir is? And I said, yeah, we go up there and fish once in a while during the season. And he goes, well, we're going up there. Uncle Bob, my uncle, next oldest uh, uncle is Uncle Bob, and he was 83. And the only two uncles I have that are still alive. And uh, I'm taking Uncle Bob up to a Bull Prairie Reservoir next week. You want to meet us up there? And I go, sure, I'll go meet you up there. And it was in April, it was <laughs> horrible weather. And uh, so uh, we set up to be up there fishing. So I I drove up there in my pickup and I was just gonna sleep in my pickup because of miserable weather and stuff. And and uh, so I, I pull up and there's a little RV and there's a camper and a truck, Dodge pickup there. And so I walked around behind the, the uh, uh, RV and I knocked on the door and um, no, I went to the, excuse me, I went to the camper first and it was my uncle Mike's and he came to the door and I said, hi. And he, and he goes, hi, are you Gary? And I said, well, are you, you expecting somebody else today? And he started kind of smiling and he said, I'll be darned. And then about that time, the other door opened up and it was my uncle Bob. <laughs> he standing there 
in a cowboy shirt, neckerchief, socks, and his boxer shorts. And he's got legs like a sparrow. And I, I go, well, he goes, are you Gary? And I go, are you Uncle Bob? He goes, and he just stops. He's looking at me and he goes, well, at least you're not wearing skinny jeans. And I go, you know, Uncle Bob, you're fine with the talk. At least I got jeans on. <laughs> and so they laugh. They said, get, he says, get in here. We got some kitchen up to do. So, I mean, and Jerry built a, a blueberry pie. So I get this blueberry pie. We took it in there and we're eating blueberry pie and talking. And I've noticed that my Uncle Mike isn't saying a lot. And we're talking about hunting and we're talking about everything. And, and there were so many similarities. It was like, I mentioned my wife later, it was like almost like a Twilight Zone episode of things that were the same, that we did the same, that we had the same, that uh, just vehicles. We had the same vehicles. We had the same guns. I mean, everything. And and uh, so uh, my Uncle Bob said something. My uncle, he says, what's the matter? He said, well, can't you see this? And he goes, yeah, I can see it. He looks like your Uncle Doug. And I go, oh, who's Uncle Doug? He was, he was the oldest. And he was the one after my grandfather had passed away. Uh, he and my mom were from uh, different dads and the other eight siblings. And so uh, he was kind of the, the dad figure. He'd raised everybody, got them through. And uh, I'm going to kind of scatter shoot here with stories because i think these will be what you're really looking for so uh anyway uh, so i i go doug walton he goes yeah he, he was the guy and he said you look almost exactly like him and i go really so he didn't have a mustache like that but he had a small one but he said you look similar and i go okay and, and the funny thing is i've got a son named doug and uh just i've got a cousin named doug i mean doug's a prominent name in my my family and for whatever reason and and so i said well what did uncle doug do and he said well he was a lineman and i go no way and he goes yeah you're a lineman right and i go yeah i am and uh i said where did he work at he said well he lived in estacada and for the last 17 years before he retired and he was a alignment for Cascade Utilities. And I go, no way. And he goes, yeah. I said, well, I've, I could have worked with him because I was a troubleman and he was a troubleman repairman for Cascade. And whenever there'd be car hip holes, we had joint uh, ownership on or whatever, there'd be a couple of us show up or I'd have a phone crew come out, work with me on stuff, you know? And he said, yeah, he said, it's very easily could have been when I was the first to repairman it was, the age difference would have overlapped about seven years. I figured where well, we could have worked together and I didn't even know I worked with my uncle. And so there were things like that, little parallels. I, I remember I was sleeping in the back of my truck and my uncle uh, Bob said, no, you get in here and sleep with me. And I said, no, I'm not gonna. And uh, my uncle Mike said, well, you can sleep with me in the camper. Then I said, no, I'm not sleeping in there either. And they, they looked at me kind of funny. I said, you think I'm dumb enough to get in a camper with you guys? It's probably going to sell like a sawmill over here tonight. I won't get a one moment's sleep. I said, I'll sleep out my truck. I've done that before and it'll be just fine. So we, we finished off our pie that night and, and so see in the morning, Mike said, we'll go fishing in the morning. And it was kind of snowing the next morning. So, but we went fishing, we went out there and we caught our trout and, and talked like we never been apart it was just amazing uh we just talked and talked and talked oh <clears throat> uh, yeah so <clears throat> gary was this the time too where he looked in your cab of your truck and saw your guns i was just getting to that point okay sorry, sorry. caving in here okay. um yeah so he comes over first thing in the morning because he wants to see how i'm sleeping in this pickup because we're both big bigger guys we're He's six two, six three. I'm six one, and uh, he's and my, my uncle Bob. He's about uh, maybe six foot, and he goes, "There's no way you slept in the back of that truck." I said, "Go there and look." And so it was in the back seat of my truck. The you know, there's an extra cab deal, and I I can sleep in there. It's just not super comfortable, but it's doable. And 
So he comes over there and he says, is that a, a, a Marlin? I was Marlin 357 lever action. I take Campbell with me. And he goes, yeah, it is. And he says, he started laughing. He goes, go look in the front seat of my truck. And so I walked over there and he's got a Marlin lever action 357 sitting in the front seat of his truck. And I said, so I guess we have a similar interest in guns. He, he goes, yeah. And he, my uncle Bob goes, well, what kind of rifle do you hunt with? That's not your hunt rifle. I said, well, I hunt with a, a you're going to laugh at this, but I hunt with a JC Higgins 30-06. And I said, it's not a, a premier hunting rifle, but I can drive tax with it. And it's a special gun for the fact that they Husqvarna contracted it out their guns for the years of 63 and 64 because they wanted to compete head to head with Winchester and Remington and instead of being a second class gun, they were sold by Sears Roebuck. So <clears throat> anyway, I sold that. He says, yeah, that's a poor man's gun. And I go, well, I said, you want to ever sit down to shoot with me? I'd be more than happy to shoot with you. And he goes, Mike goes, you know what Doug shot? And I, and Mike, Bob goes, yes, I know what he shot. He shot a JC Higgins 30 odd six model 51, just like that. And I go, yeah. I said, are you guys like yanking me around? Because this is, this is just too similar. And uh, he goes, no, he says, that's exactly it. And so we got talking about things and it was just like, we'd been doing them without being together, but together forever. And uh, so, but hey, I, I wanted to mention too, that uh, my uncle Mike's one of my best friends now. We, we talk every day. And you're supposed to start talking right now so that this isn't all empty. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, yeah, we're, we do everything. We're getting ready to go on a trip here. We got snowed out this weekend because of this wild April snowstorm. But um, we're going to go up probably a week later and, and do this trip. And we last year, I think we did six trips together and met up there where the family had hunted forever. And, and uh, I'm sharing areas with him that I know. And he's sharing areas with me that he knows. And, and it's pretty cool. And so I haven't met everybody yet. Um, I, with this COVID thing, it's really kind of messed up uh, a total reunion thing. We did have, my uncle Bob has what they call a fish fry on his birthday every year in August. And with that, they invited me twice now, those two years, we go out and charter a boat and go out and catch all the bottom fish we can catch. And then we have this big fish fry up at uh, Uncle Bob's son Rodney's place and uh, up by Goldendale, kind of in that area. And uh, so I got to meet a bunch of my uh, cousins and I've met all my aunts that are still alive. And I've got five aunts and uncles left. I got two uncles and three aunts and they're all, they're all just great people. I mean, just a gold mine and aunts and uncles but well which is something i didn't have before uh i never really had a relationship ever with a lot of my aunts and uncles i had a couple cousins from my adoptive family that i did things with but really no family ties. so this has been like uh, kind of a tidal wave of you know doing things with family that before was never an option so that that's been pretty pretty cool and and uh we had a a breakfast with my brother. I met him. Uh, he is, he's still working. He works on the East coast and, and, uh, for the department of defense. And then, uh, my sister Valerie, she lives in Vancouver and we were, we talked quite a bit back and forth, but the COVID thing has kind of been the real stickler because everybody's afraid. My sister, uh, Valerie's coming off a battle, a year long battle with uh, cancer and so uh, uh, she's was off limits. I couldn't do nothing with her for fear of, you know, her immune system was trashed and then uh, heavy chemo treatment. 
and she's in remission now. So we've been talking lately about with things starting to lighten up. I've, I see them once in a while, uh, just not close, but they, he has a business where he comes out to one of the foundries and, and boring and picks stuff up. And they always tell me when they're coming out so I can go up and say hi, you know, kind of deal. But uh, and then I've had, I had lunch with them and I've had lunch with my half sister, Patty, who lives up Hood River. And I've got a really nice, really fun niece I met, or, uh, Valerie's daughter, Desi. She's just a spitfire. And then, um, then I've got a lot of second cousins. One thing that's kind of cool for me, because I'm kind of a sports guy, is my uncle Mike's grandson uh, played linebacker for the University of Alabama the last two years. And Woo-hoo. yeah, so that was fun. I've never been an SEC Alabama fan, but now I am. And uh, so anyway, he's just a giant kid and he is not no longer with Alabama. He's now transferred through his transfer portal to the University of Arkansas, which is still SEC, but there is so much competition and talent. He broke his hand mid-season and lost his starting spot to a, another future pro player. And uh, so he he decided to transfer to Arkansas where he, you got to be visible to make the pros, and that's why he'd be more visible. So that was kind of a, a perk because I really got a big kick out telling everybody I had a, a, nef- or a, a second cousin that played at Alabama. And then, uh, but you know, I've got, I've, I've met a couple of, we had a work project over at my sister's house in Vancouver. And I met uh, my Valerie or uh, Desi's husband, uh, 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 well, he owns an excavating outfit, Zeller's their last name. I should know these names, <laughs> I'm not remembering all. Any I know, but your family has grown so, your extended family is now so huge. It is. It really is. I, I am amazed at your memory and how much you're remembering about all of them. Yeah, it's, it's, well, I, it's like I tell them, I said, you know, um, well, I told this on my Uncle Mike here a while back, or I went and had lunch with my Uncle Mike and Uncle Bob up in Hood River at the golf course. And, and uh, I said, you know, I said, I never had th- this kind of family before. I said, I had uncles, but they were 40 years older than me, you know, I mean, or 50 years older. They were like grandparents. They should have been like grandparents instead of uncles because my mom and dad were both young, the youngest of their families. So all my, I had one aunt, I did, well, I had a couple aunts, one in San here, one in California that I was close with, but there was not very much. And then, uh, I had one cousin that I did stuff with one cousin out of, you know, probably 30 and he was 11 years older than I was. So, um, this, that's been kind of the fun thing is I've got all of a sudden I got people that I'm related to that I actually can access and do fun things with. And, uh, so it, it's been a real, um, a real positive adventure. I mean, it's not perfect you know, uh, but not, but what is with family. And so, um, I really happy for the way it turned out and for all the, uh, the blessings this brought my family and, and, um, just the light it presents. So Gary, I want to ask you a couple of questions before we end. Okay. How have you seen the hand of God in this whole experience? Well, you know, I, I've thought about that. I, I thought I'd pretty much go through my whole life and never really access this. I thought it would be um, just something I always wondered about. And that one Sunday, I was definitely prompted to reach out and do this three or four times that day. I kind of shrugged off a couple of them. And then it, they just got stronger. And so um, that one thing, I obviously genealogy played a huge part in this because uh, of my friend Jody, who did a bunch of this work. 
and my my cousin JL in in Bordeo, uh, you know, reaching out. I mean, you know, just the miracles. Little mir- I, I hate to use the word miracle because sometimes it's a a really big word for what you think happened, but the miracles that happened, just everybody connecting up and and coming together the way it did. And uh, it wasn't by accident, I don't believe. Um, uh, it was definitely a prompting and um, something that I was needing to do uh, that day. And uh, so did, I think God's hand was in that. When you were younger, did you ever feel this, um, you were searching for some answers, spiritually speaking, about family? And, and do you feel like it kind of healed? <laughs> healed you Uh, healed anything in your life in regards to your testimony or feelings that you had uh well there are definitely uh blessings and i you know i beth i don't know if i ever really prayed to know about my family I, i hate to even say that um i've definitely prayed for them since i've met them um, I don't, I don't know. If you don't I, feel like you, that was something that you needed. Well, I, oh yeah. I, this coming together. Yeah. This, this, this definitely made me a, a lot whole uh, or more whole, um, because there was always that wondering of, uh, do I have brothers and sisters? Do I have, I, I do. I had one, a, one, a brother and a sister, but do I have other relatives? Where are they at? Um, you know, um, and then, like I said, again, I, like the, the uh, medical aspect of it, I said, you know, with these, I had a, a pair of strokes there in, in 18. I go like, uh, you know, I need to find out who my family is so I can maybe help my family that I have now. I, I need to find out that biological line and see if there is something. And it, it, it turned out that strokes are prevalent in my family. Wow. Uh, my grandmother had several of, well, both grandmothers had them. Uh, I've had a, two aunts that have had them. Um, and I think one of my uncles that was already deceased had, so there, there, there's definitely um, that, that in the line there. So I, you know, I, I think that field of void there of knowing uh, I can tell my kids that, you know, Hey, right. Do what you can to prevent this from happening. Right. Right. Well, the last question that I always ask my guests is how do you seek light? So how do you Gary Schwartz seek light? How do I seek light? Well, I like people. Yes, you do. I, I like to see people happy. And, uh, I just like to, uh, do what I can in whatever little way I might be able to do, um, pray for them, uh, access them some way. Yeah. I, I, I really believe heavily in, in, uh, this prompting of the Holy ghost. I, you know, when you're sitting there in your room someday and all of a sudden, uh, a certain individual comes into your mind. I don't think that's an accident or just a happening. That's by design. And I, I really um, try to tell people, I did this recently with missionaries, um, that there are people out there, especially during this COVID thing, that aren't accessing anything. And they need to be accessed. So when you think about um, a person during these times, you need to act on that. And you need to get it. How hard is it to make a phone call? How hard is it sometimes to just drive by and say hi through the door? You know, more in these restrictions and stuff, it made it way harder, but you can't get COVID through the phone. You can't get COVID by writing a letter or a text or an email uh, or send it to anybody else. So um, I seek light by trying to live a good life, a worthy life that I can help other people 
feel better and just feel good. And uh, I, I, that's kind of a simplistic deal, but it's, it really works for me because when you make somebody else feel good, you, you feel better yourself. That's so true. Gary, I hope this is the first of many interviews because you have so many incredible stories, your broken leg, your strokes, your experiences in sports growing up and the things you've done to help the youth today and the work that you do in the church. Um, You and Jerry are amazing and I love you guys. And I just want to thank you so much for doing this interview. And I, I know that it will help others that work on their genealogy and are searching for answers and trying to help their posterity. So thank you so much. I am so grateful that you listened to my latest podcast. Please share these episodes with your family and friends. I look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great day.